Well, I've had my peanut butter square, and I've had a cup of coffee, so it's... It's Control-Alt-Revolt, the podcast, and we are here with episode number 138. Very good. (laughs) You must have a mind like a steel trap. You know it. I definitely wasn't watching, I wasn't reading your lips telling me what episode it was. That's definitely true. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because I was actually just emotionally screaming in pain. Oh, really? (laughs) And it's weird that you you, uh, read that as 138. I know. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was screaming at the void, which I occasionally do. Sure. Yeah. You've seen me scream at the void. Yeah. One time in Las Vegas, we drove to the edge of Las Vegas. Yeah, that was fun. And there's this huge windstorm, and I just went out there and just screamed into it. That was cool. I can picture it right now. That was a good moment. There's a lot of void to scream into lately, so... There is a lot of void. It does feel like things are at a very strange moment right now, as Canada has doubled down on super fascism. Um... Justin seems to have gotten his marching orders. He ran away. He went into secret, hiding, um, because he was afraid of the bouncy castles. And he had pretend COVID. <laughs> and he had pretend COVID. <laughs> it's funny, like, no, there's never a reporter that says, okay, last week you said you had COVID, and you yeah. ran away. No one knows where you went. We haven't talked about your COVID at all. Like, are there any people that actually are pulling the threads and hanging on to things and asking questions or there's there's no such thing as news anymore. No, there's just there's, propaganda. There's just propaganda. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of news, but you have to go. Um, some people call it alternative media, but uh, Catherine Austin Fitz said she prefers the term new media because the other ones are the old media. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. So you basically have to go to the new media to get news, which means it's not on TV. Yeah. It's. So, so Canada has, has doubled down. They're really going for it. But the truckers are like, hey, welcome to Whack-A-Mole. We're just going to keep showing up in rando places doing this. But did you see, and I have not looked into it very um, very much yet, other than this headline, but did you see they're literally, uh, Trudeau is literally having their bank accounts yes, frozen? That's I did. insane. And that, that right there, folks, is the collapse of money. Right yeah. there, like that game right there, if they if they get away with that and there's no public smiting, here's what happens next. People freak out, even in the United States, and they go get their money out of the bank. Sure, and they Just should. Just one problem with that. There's not enough. You're going to find out that the U.S. Treasury didn't... U.S. Treasury. <laughs> Who am I, Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> you should share my dentures. Please don't be Nancy Pelosi. Um, you're going to find that the U.S. Treasury did a very illegal thing. And mm-hmm. this is really illegal. This is very illegal what they did. I think. I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. It's not like I'm James West, U.S. Treasury agent from Wild Wild West. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to Robert Conrad, the ghost of. But wasn't that a great show? That was a great show. Terrible movie. Didn't even. The movie was so terrible I didn't even see it. And I wanted to see it because I'm such... Like, if you want to know what kind of, like, science fiction fantasy fan I am, I am a very big Tolkien fan. Yeah. That's probably the number one that I am. Star Wars and Star Trek, not so much. I, I really like Star Trek because I used to play... Uh, there's the car. Thanks. I used to play Starfleet Battles, and I really liked that. Star Wars was really fundamentally being a kid and everything like that. But, you know, since they haven't made a movie since Return of the Jedi, 
They really haven't fed fed me any <laughs> any kind of content to keep it alive. So right. so I'm out there, Chad. Yeah, exactly. But uh, um, Wild Wild West was my jam. I don't. So I'm not familiar with that. I knew there was a movie, but mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the fact that that was a TV show. You're like you're dead to me. <laughs> no, it's just. I realize what a glorious and wonderful life that I've led, and it's hearing you say that is like me walking into a poverty-stricken Nigerian village where they've never known like fresh water. I'm like, oh, poor little villager. Yeah. You do not know what civilization is like. It sounds interesting. Oh, it was great. It was two Secret Service agents. Mm. One guy was like this kind of James Bondy kind of guy, good-looking, he had great hair. And he was like a total fighter. He had carried this little derringer. He had a great blue outfit, uh, this sort of like uh, bolero jacket and, and uh, tight pants and everything like that. All kinds of like special tools and boot knife and stuff like that. And he was great. He was the hero. And that was played by Robert Conrad. And then the guy that I actually had the affinity for was Ross Martin who played uh, this sort of thespian Secret Service agent who could assume all these disguises. And I liked that a lot. I thought he was just a great character actor. And his name was Artemis Gordon. And they would just have, like, all these wacky sort of kind of science fiction adventures in the in the wild west they were secret service agents that sounds interesting actually yeah it was it was a really great show it was a really great show if you can ever catch an episode it's really fun to dive into there were you know it was was interesting because they brought back reoccurring villains tv back in that time didn't really have sort of character arcs or things like that but there there was some of that it was just it was a great show i loved it great theme song to open it up who was in the movie because i think i know but i don't want to say it because i feel like it will sound so stupid because I I'm not sure. Well, I want to. It say was it. stupid, and so you were, <laughs> you say it, and you're gonna be right. Uh, does it start with a W? It do. Will Smith. Yes. Okay, okay, because I was yeah. like, is that right? That. Yeah, he even that be right? he even <laughs> recorded a Wild Wild West rap song for it. Yeah, I, that's I how, used to hear it. It was on a the total. Radio. It was a it was a total disaster, and I feel that it pretty much ruined Kevin Klein's career. Ah. Yeah, so playing the, the, the Artemis Gordon role, yeah. Okay. And it's funny because the producer who wanted to make that movie was legendary in Hollywood from people like Kevin Smith and Nicolas Cage and other people who wrote screenplays. This guy would go around and he would say, I want you to write a screenplay for me. And they would be, okay. And he's like, I don't care you know, what the screenplay is about or whatever, but at the end of it you have to have a giant mechanical spider. And and he would do that in every movie franchise. He wa- I think he wanted to do it. Nicholas Cage's Superman. There was going to be a Nicholas Cage Superman, and it just uh, they must have like they must have said this is way too crazy, and it's then opted weird out. That you would do that more than once. Like I could see wanting to put that in a movie, and then you mm-hmm. do it. Okay, you're done with that now. Like how could you want to do it again? Because then it suddenly makes it stupid that you do that in every movie. Some people only have one good idea. And they want to be creative types. And those people are called people in Hollywood. <laughs> and they just have the one good idea. They're not like me who's like, and, and I'm not bragging here or whatever, but you know, like, I am I just literally, like, you, spew ideas like diarrhea. You give away and, more and, ideas. Yeah, and people than, say, that's right. a great idea. Let's yeah. work on it. I'm like, no, it's it's not. I, I mean, like, it's a good idea. I don't have the time. Right. You know, yeah. I just, and, and I learned a long time ago. One of my philosophies for creativity is is I never keep anything because that's what I noticed in people who kind of didn't progress in their career is they held on to ideas 
And it's like, no, just get it out, let it go, and then move on to the next thing. If it's going to be anything, it'll become something. Give it away to somebody else. Now that I'm developing uh, new writers for Wargate and things like that, um, I I have a really great uh, franchise that I just developed that I'm going to turn over to another writer, and I'm going to produce it. And I think that's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be a really cool franchise. But I'll just, you know, like, it was something I wanted to play with for a long time. I'm like, you're not going to get around to it. You've got too much Forgotten Ruin. You've got too much Tyrus Rex. You've got too much Strange Company. And this needs to be out there. So here's a path to get it done. I'm like, okay. You know, just as Peter said in the Bible, freely I have been given, freely I give. And I found if you want to be creative, if if you want more of anything then give away more. That's true. You know, you want to be generous, you want to be rich, give away your money. That's true. You want to be generous, you know, give away, like, do, like, I don't even know how I'm trying to put that part one together, but I just found the more that you do, the more comes to you. But, but miserly people, niggardly people, they like to hold on to it and, and keep it. And like, they think like you, you, the, the telltale sign is when you meet somebody and they go, I have this idea copyright. It's like no one cares. You can't copyright an idea. Mm-hmm. No one cares. And they've, they've gone through like, I wrote it down and I mailed it to myself in an envelope. And because it went through the U.S. Postal Service, it's now copyrighted. And you can't tell. I've seen people covet an idea and it's like an albatross around their neck. They're like the rhyme of the ancient mariner. They're just like walking through life with this idea that was great 20 years ago. But an idea is only as good as what you do with it. And then there's the the converse of that, and that would be the subject of the musical Hair. We the Medusa and I one time were doing a thing called light walking. So what you do when you do light walking in a major production is you play the main roles. It's kind of like being a stand-in, and they light you so that so that you don't waste the star's time. And we were doing the Ring Cycle for LA Opera, and so. We got to be light walkers. It was a really great gig, and it was with these really cool Germans. And generally, like, I know Germans get a bad rap and everything like that, and as Winston Churchill said, the Hun, I feel this peanut butter square kicking in, baby. <laughs> um, when the story goes to Winston Churchill, the Huns, and light walking, I'm following. I am, no, I'm I am cruising on a peanut butter square and high <laughs> coffee. It's an all-natural high. Yeah. Yeah, it's an all-natural high. So, um... I gotta bang that cough out real quick. So, um, these Germans were really Wait, cool. But you didn't say what Winston Churchill said about Germans. Right. Always at at your, your feet, feet or, or at your throat. throat. Exactly. Yes, Churchill is great. <laughs> I really encourage everybody if you want read Churchill's biographies, and people will say, well, he was very grandiose in his descriptions of himself, and he was a hero, and like you. He kind of writes Mary Sue accounts and everything like that, but man, that guy was cool. Yeah. Even if it's even if like half of it's made up, which I don't think it is, huh. but like what a great guy. Yeah. Like just treat yourself to the audiobook of Churchill, like talk, like the first one talking about his early life and how he went out into Egypt and got in this war and was a prisoner of war and you know literally fought a battle at the Nile and stuff like that, like just a cool dude here's what i would say would be a good litmus test and i think i know the answer does he include unflattering stuff as well i think he did i think he was i think he was i think he was honest i mean i think he was honest about his capture and and things like that and his escape and his you know the attempts that he made but it was it was really interesting it was such a such a tale from an 
another age. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still relevant points, but what a different world. We got to step into a little bit of that world this weekend, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But back to the cool Germans. They were really groovy Germans, and that's really been my experience a lot of the times with Germans is like when they're not trying to destroy the world, they're actually really fun people mm-hmm. and very calm and very peaceful and like they're they're fun to be around. They're they're over serious, but they wanna they wanna have fun. It's just like they don't know how to. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if you're like me and you're even a little bit of fun, they seem to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, so we're doing the light walking thing and there's a guy in there who was a theater director. He's light walking too with us. He's a little gay guy. He was really cool and um, very like the perpetual theater junkie mm-hmm. denizen. Like in D&D terms, he'd be like a fifth level gay owlbear you know in the dungeon of theater <laughs> so um he was cool what was his name robert robert sounds right yeah i didn't remember but when you say yeah. that i think that's right and so robert says he had the one fun thing about gay people in theater is they've always got a lot of really great stories because mm-hmm. um, they just gossip because that's how they are and and they usually hang around celebrities because that's a big thing to them mm-hmm. so it's fun to hear that kind of stuff so robert says one time i had this gig and he said, I had to escort the guy who uh, created the musical Hair and starred in it. He's like a bit like, I forget what his name is, but everybody knows him. Like, you know, like, because Hair was so huge. And <clears throat> he said, this was like 30 years later. And they wanted to do a Hair revival. And so they made me go to various cities with him. And he just wanted to go around and get ideas. And he said, after about two days... We would go look at this building and we would go see this thing and we would, you know, it's just like a big vacation for this guy to look at stuff because they were going to do hair again and they wanted to update it. And I think nothing came of it because this guy, like the upshot of the story is all this guy would do is you'd you'd show him like a train car or you'd show him the side of a building or you'd show him an alleyway. And all he would say is, that's so hair, that's so hair. (laughs) And the problem was, is he was stuck in the musical Hair 30 years ago. That was the one good idea the guy had, and he couldn't get out of it. And 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 it was so bad that they couldn't even do it again because he was so stuck. And so the upshot of that story is don't have just one good idea. Exactly. Give them away. Yeah. I mean, that would be like Stephen King saying... That's so, That's so Carrie. Yeah. That's so Carrie. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes when that cat opens his mouth, you wish it would have stayed. I That's wish. So Carrie. I know. It's true. That yeah. is true. But he's had like so many crazy ideas because he yeah. didn't get stuck on his one good idea like you. So. so we had a wild podcasting weekend on Sunday morning. We listened to some really good podcasts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first one. Can you remember that? Well, I think you might be referring to the one where they were talking about the airship mysteries of like the late 1800s was it yeah yeah but that 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 one was more about san bernardino yeah and and Catherine austin fitz interviewed this guy who was sort of the resident san bernardino and it wasn't just about airships of the 1800s it was about another topic too but it was about how um the military industrial complex kind of really developed a lot of stuff out of san bernardino and um, which is this very mysterious place in California. You have Orange County and L.A. County. And then you have Riverside. And if you go beyond that, between there and Vegas is, is San Bernardino County. And San Bernardino County is this vast desert sprawl where 
no one lives, but then there are strange sort of rich elite communities like Palm Desert or Palm Springs. Um, there are massive Indian tribes. There's been some mystery, uh, tribal reservations. There's been some mysteries there. The mystery of the um, that program that they stole that takes place out in San Bernardino. Software? Yeah, that ends Promise, up that ends up Promise in San San Bernardino, software. and then the killings on the Indian reservation that get involved yeah. in that. The other big tie-in is Obama lives out in San Bernardino in his secret, super secret love shack that no one loves knows about, mm-hmm. and he has to be out there. And they think, you know, they think that the deep underground military bases are out there, but <clears throat> the whole. Um, I wish you remembered more about that conversation because that one we listened to and we were like, ah, oh, this is so. Maybe we should listen to it again. Yeah. And do a breakdown on that show because yeah. you have to descri- you have to listen to Solario report to get it. Like, and I do yeah. highly encourage everybody who really likes this kind of stuff to get into Solari Report and pay the subscription fee. Even if you got to dump this one, I think there's some fun stuff over there. Yeah. I mean, because we don't do a lot of subscriptions, but that one is one of the few that we do, and it's well worth it. It's really and we fun. got rid of our Netflix one quite a while ago, and so I'd say, well, that does part of paying for it. But it's because it's like $30 a month, maybe less if you do the year. But, like, we get our money's worth. It is so good and so interesting. But here was the takeaway out of that first podcast is in about the 1850s, these airships all started showing up across America. When you go through like the actual history, um, the airships that you see are not like these airships. And there are all these accounts and stories of people just landing in rando places across the United States and getting out and saying, oh, we're from New York or we're from Washington, D.C., but there's real, there's no real official record. Like it's been, it's kind of been purged and expunged from the records. And there is this um, artist who was involved with what's called the Sonora Airship Club, and he made drawings of these airships, and they're pretty radical. And he says they existed and they were interesting, and but they're not like zeppelins, which are rigid fixed air structures and and stuff like that. They're different. But it's this huge obscured mystery. Um, which I think we're all getting more and more familiar with now of like, like, just like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, like, is anybody going to ask Justin Trudeau about the COVID? Mm -hmm. You know, is anybody going to ask about why Joe Biden's hand keeps going through the scenery when they try to (laughs) shoot things or, you know, why, why, why he's clearly not at the white house? Why is no one talking about the massive wall in front of the white house? Why is no one talking about the demo explosions going off inside the white house late at night? Uh, you know, no one's asking you those questions, but we sure can talk about. Um, I think that they sent all the Super Bowl celebrities to the Super Bowl to, and to not wear masks. And they made a very because they wanted everybody outraged about that. Yeah, I think because right. they don't want you to talk about some of the things that are really going on. So, again, mm-hmm. in an age of misinformation, believe it or not, it was going on way back then with these airships. And they're really weird. So it turns out. That these air, the Sonoran Airship Club was a bunch of Germans. Yeah. Yeah. And and (laughs) and they're big funders of the Second Reich. Uh, They're part of the Second Reich, not the First Reich, but the Second Reich. So much so that in the early 1900s, they go to uh, Tesla, and they say, "We want to, we want you to build us an airship that'll take us to Mars." They say that with like a straight face, and supposedly it never happens or anything like that. And now you get into Catherine Austin Fitz sort of like area where, you know, like she says a lot of really great, reasonable, interesting things. And she seems to be a very grounded person. But 
you know, she will look you straight in the face and say there are off-world civilizations that we're dealing with. And people might, we might have been in space a lot longer than, than we're admitting to and things like that. So I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a train station that I have yet to get off on, but I find it interesting. Yeah, I find it interesting. You know, tell me more about your product. (laughs) Um, so, so anyways, but here's where the conclusions came for me out of both the first and second podcast. Um, I definitely do believe that there are breakaway civilizations. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there is a Rothschild breakaway civilization operating in secret. Yeah. Um, I do believe that the Nazis managed to affect that too. Mm-hmm. And that they created a breakaway civilization in South America. They also dumped about seven divisions of people in the United States at the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, we took in about 75 thousand nazis and you know what we did instead of throwing them in gulags and prison camps like the russians did and you know torturing them for their intel we gave them positions in government and things like that and they taught us how to do things and then the trap there was they actually kind of took over i think but i still think the nazis managed to break away civilization and i think when you look at the airship thing in the 1850s I think those airships are kind of a through line to where the Nazis might have actually gone and that there might actually be some sort of off-world civilization or at least extra orbital um, that the Nazis might be involved with. I, apparently there's this big mystery around Antarctica mm-hmm. and the bird expedition and stuff like that. Um, somehow the United States went down there and got into something that wasn't really supposed to get into and they came back and Bird said some things and those things were scrubbed and then an official narrative came out. I don't know. Again, you have to look at the silences to kind of figure out what's going on. But if they were developing airships in the 1850s and we know that the Germans got into airships in World War One, and pre-World War Two, they really got in heavily, heavily to Zeppelins and things like that. Well, <clears throat> in a certain way, an airshift is an anti-gravity vehicle. An airship can get a lot of payload into orbit and it's I always thought it was weird that after World War II, we suddenly stopped getting into airships. We got into um, airplanes big time and jet engines, all great stuff. But that's not stuff that's going to punch atmosphere. Um, we got into rockets. But if you ever look at rockets, I mean, Elon Musk seems seems to have cracked a code or at least he's going to great lengths to let you know he's cracked a code with rocketry. Um, but the problem is it's still wildly expensive for the for, for what you need out of it. But airships were more the path to get things into orbit um, uh, in larger bulk and easier. And then suddenly we just decided to stop doing that. It's very interesting. But, you know, when people release bo- balloons and things like that, they go way up into the stratosphere. Now, why did we stop doing that? Why did we decide we needed to, d- to build like 12-story tall rockets with huge amounts of fuel? And all this kind of stuff and launch like at not optimum places. The best place to launch a rocket would either be at the poles or the equator mm. where uh, gravity is is less. Interesting. Um, but it's it's interesting that we don't do that. We launch, you know, in Florida, you know, mm-hmm. which is kind of close to the equator, but not not we could launch in Guyana. Yeah. You know, that's why. Why didn't we ever go down and take Guyana and, and do that kind of stuff? The French do with their with their rocketry. They launch out of Guyana. So hmm. interesting stuff. What was the second podcast about? Do you remember that? Well, 
It was about the JFK assassination. Right. Then we started diving into the JFK assassination. <laughs> and that was really funny. And we're actually still in funny. That was really fun. Um, really dark. It does look like a big cabal. Mm-hmm. I think we'll need to do a separate breakdown podcast on that, too. Okay. What were your takeaways? Wow. Um, I mean, it it really explains things enough that I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Especially uh, with just all the secrecy that we're seeing nowadays from the government. I'm much more willing, and all the corruption, now I'm like much more willing to believe that there was that corruption then. And especially how we're seeing it now with the FBI and the CIA. You know, all these things that are part of the JFK cabal, where before, when I thought everything was above board pretty much, you know, I, it would have been really hard for me to believe. But now that I'm seeing that all these things are corrupt, I'm like, oh, so they were corrupt then? Yeah, I'd believe it, you know. So yeah. basically, um, I mean, the upshot was they... The main thing was he, like, the death knell for him was wanting to end the Vietnam War. Yeah. They, they, the people, the powers that be wanted that to keep going. That's from the guy, Proudy, who wrote the book on it and who happened to be one of the guys who was involved in a lot of those type of operations, basically said, of all the things that he did, that that was the thing that got him killed. And the reason that was is after World War II... They moved about $500 million in equipment that the U.S. had sitting around first to Korea and then the rest, half of it to Korea and half of it to Vietnam because the military industrial complex was winding up and they knew that war was big business and they wanted a lot of war. And uh, that was (laughs) Dr. Mahmood boob job shows up in some really wacky sweat camo pants. Yeah, like tight tight camo tight. pants that might be smart. he loves to lead with that belly yeah like like some women like a with a big sweatshirt. rack of boobies he leads <laughs> he leads with that belly like like he does like, he's like not excuse shy. me my eyes are up here <laughs> he's not shy about shy. showing that belly off <laughs> so um those are things that we need to, to dive into uh but it it is interesting and it's it's fun and it's interesting, but it certainly does kind of tell you the score of what's going on right now. A lot of these things are adding up, and you could say, well, <clears throat> this is the collection of a of an obsessive compulsive mind that is you know seeing all these connections and everything like that. But again, I go back to a lot of things. It's like the kids who've been abducted and orphans and stuff like that. Why do they all keep saying the same things? Why do they all keep talking about the tunnels beneath D- D.C. and other major cities? And the railway and all the like independently, these kids don't know the stories. They keep coming up with the stories. Mm-hmm. Why are there so many conspiracies that keep surfacing? And then there's there's the media there immediately to tell us that's that's a compar- the conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. It's a conspiracy. I'm Brian Settler. Ha, yeah. Ha, I'm the I'm the voice of reason and 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 truth here on the media. <laughs> Jeff Zucker was a beacon of light. Well. <laughs> I'm not going to say the thing, but remember, it's Zucker, apparently. Zucker. Zucker. But I won't say how so, people um, remember that. I'm glad Facebook is tanking. That's great. Awesome. I, I hope that they tank more. Yeah. I do think uh, we're going to get as close to Hillary being arrested. And I'm not a, I'm not a like, you know, I don't really see, I, I, I would delight in Hillary, Hillary getting arrested. 
And I see that as a shortcoming in myself. But that's not something I sit around and see as actually rational or logical. Mm-hmm. But this Durham thing was pretty bombshell. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So we'll have to develop that. Um, the through line I wanted to say on the airships, though, was it's it's amazing, you know, if there really is a Nazi international. I don't know that it was a Nazi international. I think the Nazis worked for some sort of German, and it may have been involved with the Rothschilds. Mm-hmm. They were German. Yeah. Um, but someone did create a breakaway civilization. And the military-industrial complex does seem to be the final step in creating a military, a, a breakaway civilization. The Nazis created a military-industrial industrial, um, complex in World War II, and then they quote-unquote lost. Even though they had super weapons that they could have used, but, oh, there were all these mistakes and everything like that. And, I, and I'm asking for a bit of disbelief here. But, you know, did they pull a Kaiser Solze? Did did they lose on purpose to disappear? And then I would say this. I think that our deep state pulled their own um, breakaway civilization. I think that they used the military industrial complex of the last 60 years to develop it. And I think what we may be seeing at this moment is the same thing as the final days of Berlin. The military industrial complex deep state that that basically um, really comes together in the assassination of Kennedy, then goes on to assassinate Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, um, and Robert F. Kennedy, all people who wanted peace in their own different way. Um, because they knew where they were going, which was a lot of big war for a lot of money because they needed that money. At the same time, these same people then began to sell drugs, the CIA, sell drugs to lots of Americans and especially African-Americans. They then began to put them in private prisons and gentrify their slums, which now form the Washington, D.C. power corridor. So... How I think if we look at what the Nazis did and we look at what the Rothschilds did, um, if you're forming a breakaway civilization, the thing that you can't do is you can't stay in plain sight anymore because the mob will come for the Frankenstein that you've become. Mm-hmm. We will. And we'll also depend on you and look to you for salvation. And we will want to upgrade to your level. And, and that's the thing with breakaway civilizations is they don't want you around. And they also don't need you because their technology and wealth is sufficiently advanced that that what you consider value and things like that, they're just giving you like, like, remember when you were in school, like I had red tickets, like if you were good and you behaved or whatever, I mean, maybe because I was a spaz, I got red tickets. Oh, you know what? That's true. I got red tickets. Everybody else got green tickets. <laughs> Me and this one kid were total, you know, just total boys. Uh-huh. Me and Steve Legome and, and we, we could earn green tickets but I feel like every day we started with five red tickets that we had to work off because of our behavior. Hmm. And there were days I went home with more red tickets than I started. But it's all kind of worked out. Yeah. Um, so the thing with the breakaway civilizations is last stage in my sort of like just looking at everything, putting together all these stories, is the military is the development and perfection of the military industrial complex, which we have done. And so could we be with Canada reaching into people's bank accounts and no one really getting all that upset about that? And then what everybody's going to do is run to the bank 
and want their money. And the U.S. Treasury, oops, we didn't print it. And everybody wants it now. And then sudden societal collapse. Is that the last days of Berlin for our military industrial complex? Are they about to pull the big fade and go to their quote unquote South America? I don't know, but it's a theory that I could definitely turn into a book and make money out of. And I've been weirdly right about stuff. There was something I was right about yesterday. I said, remember I called that or today I said, uh, oh, I said, uh, oh, oh yeah, we're going to talk about it now. Apparently in Washington, people who own Mazdas of a certain year from this dealership, and we'll post the article and you can read it, um, they can only get one radio station. And they keep saying, oh, there's a programming malfunction or something like that. But what this is, is, oh, there's a programming malfunction. The malfunction is in the Mazda, whoever designed it or whatever, they forgot to flip the not now switch. Uh, And so there is a feature in our cars now that will only allow you to tune in one radio station. And that one radio station where it happens to be. Yeah, where it's happening on these Mazdas, that one radio station happens to be NPR. Yeah, NPR. Hmm. So to all the people that say, oh, you can't kill the internet, you can't have one website. There was, you know, there was even like a thing the other day, they said something like, I forget what it was, like, if you, you know, what what would the internet like be if you could only, what would the internet be like if you could only go to one website? I'm telling you, that's what's coming. We're going to have a blackout. We're going to have an internet blackout. And then it's going to come back. And you're not going to get radio stations. They've got a way to jam that. But at the same time, they've also got a way to get into any sort of digital advice and prevent you, unless you are technically proficient like ham radio operators are, which most of you are not. Um, And you'll only be able to get that radio station. And remember, going back to the great toilet paper crisis of 2019 and 2020, 2020, 2020. really, like people will be so freaked out in the level of death and destruction that will be around that they will they will gladly tune into NPR for further news and updates. True. You know, and so they won't even question why they can't get KRS 101 or the real Don Steele on KKHR. Or whatever it was. No, Quiz News, KWIZ 970. Or K-Wave, the Christian, K-Wave, the Christian station. station. They no. sure won't let you yeah, on yeah, that You're not one. getting on that I one. Jesus that. freaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they have it because the game got given away in Seattle. Mm-hmm. The, you know, someone at Mazda screwed up and didn't hit the, didn't check the blocks. and the pro- They'll fix it really quickly and everything like that. But read the story in our local Soros-funded newspaper. And they fly a lot of cover for it. But... It shows you that they can do that. That and and that is what is coming. Uh, finally, we cannot highly recommend enough the movie Death on the Nile. That was great. It was so good. Which it was is an so good. Agatha Christie but de- story. But developed by Kenneth Branagh, mm-hmm. who is the one person who survives the Wild Wild West movie oh. Will Smith debacle. In that he plays a midget named Dr. Miguelito Loveless, who was an original character. And so really? Kenneth Branagh's career is so great, it wasn't even ruined by that dog. How? So how did they work it? How did they make him look like a midget when he's not a midget? How I don't know. I didn't work? see the movie. But oh, okay. in, in the movie, the guy's a midget. Interesting. Yeah. He, so he plays... He, pl- he plays Hercule Poirot. 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 And wow. And it was just great. And to me, I loved like, I think it was a lot of CGI and stuff like that. But it was the Nile as you would have seen it maybe in the 1930s and Egyptian tombs. It was just like, 
man, that was a great movie. And and it was just, it was like, the acting was great. The story was great. Um, There's a little bit of agenda in there, but I just glossed on over it. I really dug the entire thing. It was, it was great. And I, and if you're looking for a movie to kind of get away from the typical superhero, ah, you know, like, it's funny, man, I'll walk by people's houses and I'll hear the movies on and it's nothing but sort of slang you know and like macho action phrases you can't handle this you know me you know me you know i'm like what like and the person kept screaming the line i heard it the other night and and then i told you like that time of the hollywood bowl when you were singing the star trek soundtrack and i'd seen the star trek movie and i liked it and then when i just listened to the soundtrack i realized man there was so much screaming in this movie yeah and that's the opposite of star trek yeah. But they tried to turn it into that. And really, honestly, if you want to do an experiment, go to your average Hollywood blockbuster. Or, you know, like, not, not the old blockbuster that's gone. But go listen to a movie with your eyes closed. You know, next time you're at the movie theater, go see a movie. See it. I'm not telling you to buy a ticket. Waste your money. But then go to the big movie that weekend and go stand in the back and close your eyes. And you will be surprised at how little dialogue you hear. How little human communication and how much is music explosions and screaming yeah it's real, and like that doesn't upset people and why i mean explains like it's a small reason why everybody seems so nuts now mm-hmm. all my neighbors seem like assholes now like it's really weird like for years whatever and now everybody seems keyed up to be an asshole so yeah. i don't know but it, it's on purpose one might wonder you know like the, the whole mind control thing if anything it's totally on to purpose stupid, it made everybody crazy aggressive. even now yeah. today in orange county california which is the the kentucky of of california um where we are we are freedom central where gavin newsom was literally going to have f-15 streak overhead to, to to cower us and the air national guard said we're not doing that and he that was in his heart to do um you still people like today is mask free day you're out you don't have to be you don't have to do it anymore. And there's still people putting on masks and walking around. It's like yeah. you're going to do that forever because that's how you feel. You were mind controlled. You were manipulated. That's the only way you feel safe now. Yeah. We never did it. And I and I knew there was a reason not to do it because I knew that you didn't want to get you can set habits. I'm a big habit setter in my life. And I always have been. it early on and there were top doctors saying this doesn't make sense. It's already been proven not to make sense in the past. If anything, it's harmful. And yeah. so, like, that was the main reason why we didn't do it. Because we're like, okay, this feels uncomfortable. Top doctors are saying it's not going to help. And, in fact, it will harm. We're not doing and, you know, and And they want to use it for, like, a tyranny measure on people. So, no, no, and no. Yeah. And I'm glad. And I don't understand it, though seeing people still when they don't even they're not even required and you're like really and it's not just asian people because that's not surprising i'm not like being derogatory but like we we would see asian people way before this like wearing masks and like that's just more part of their culture for longer so like that was never like a big deal you're just like oh okay that's what they do and whatever but like because you know in their countries i I know i'm being weird i I sound like (laughs) i'm not expressing that well but you know what i mean like it was just cool. Like, all right, you guys are used to doing that. Whatever. You are not weird. You express yourself very well. I think we will end uh, today. 
And we'll be back tomorrow with an insider podcast, which is how this works. We do a free podcast and we do a paid podcast because we love to do podcasts for everybody and the subscribers pay for bonus content. And so we will do that. So we do encourage you to subscribe because we really go out of our way to try to make better and more content. We have some cool things that we are doing for the insiders and it would be fun to have you over there and to check in. But I think we'll finish today because people always like this aspect about my books about food. So for dinner tonight, it's kind of a cold and blustery day. Oh, one last thing. There was one. You were mind controlled this weekend if you watched the Super Bowl. Mm, yeah. Um, if you watch the Super Bowl, you they showed you shots shots of Southern California, and I think that they did show the ocean and the and the Los Angeles Bay and things like that. And for a year now, we have watched so many freighters stuck out there, all the way around. Palos Verdes and down into Orange County and Port of Long Beach and then even all the way down into San Clemente. That's a lot of freighters. And at times I've said to the Medusa, I've said that looks like an invasion yeah. fleet. You know, yeah. like it's it looks like something out of World War II. It's crazy. Um, so this weekend we went to the movies and then we took the, the road that goes back over the hills and we were able to see all the way to Palos Verdes and all out across the ocean. It was a beautifully clear day. Um, because they turned on the good weather machine so that the Super Bowl would have good weather. They got rid of the chemtrails and the miasma and everything like that so that it looks, you know, so that everybody should move to Los Angeles and move into the urban centers and be controlled and get away from your red states and come here where your vote will mean nothing and you can be in basically a gilded death camp cage filled with feces and needles and stuff like that. So I said, look at that. And the entire bay was free of ships. And you had called it ahead of time, yeah, right? You were like, happen. how much you want to bet this is going to happen? Yep. And then what do you know? They pushed they all the ships way out offshore. There's there's usually a big fog bank way out past Catalina. And they pushed them all back out there so that when they did the shots for the Super Bowl, you didn't see how stacked up the port was. And that was mind control. And mm-hmm. people, you know, the, the, don't worry, there's no shipping crisis. Ignore the shortages on your shelves. Ignore inflation. Ignore gas. Ignore the fact that avocados just got very expensive. All those kinds of things. Um, Joe Biden. I guess today, like, the power went off at his press conference and he just said nonsense. And everybody's like, really? did the power go off or did Joe start melting down? Well, I would say... The power went off, and now he couldn't read his little crib sheet, his little notes that they give him, slash maybe listening in his earpiece. I mean, I don't know that that would go off if the power went off. All I know is a lot of wacky stuff is going down, reaching into people's bank accounts. Um, The the White House, like, begging for a war in the Ukraine. Yeah. And just, like, sending all kinds of messages. Like, it's just weird. It's insane. But tonight, we made a nice uh, French beef stew. The reason we call it French beef stew is it's it's still just French it's still just stew. It's good. The the profile's maybe a little more subtle and things like that. It's probably more like a southern France beef stew, which is much more sort of Italian and Spanish influence, maybe a little headier in the wine flavor. And um, if I was gonna do the Italian thing I'd drop in a couple of tomatoes at the last second. But I'm not gonna do that here. Because instead we made a pea stew to go on top of the stew. Pea stew, P-I-S-T-O-U, which is a basil and garlic uh, sort of emulsification that you make the stew and then you drizzle that over the top and it gives it like 
for winter it gives it the stew which is hearty it gives it kind of a bright freshness and then the last key was i managed to go to the french bakery and get a rosemary and olive loaf which i intend to slather with bordier butter and then dip in my stew on this cold blustery day and that will be perfection chef's kiss have been looking forward to it all day it smelled so good and actually like we tasted it a little bit when we were making it so it's gonna be great we'll tell you all about it on the insider podcast that is the podcast